0: Always try to bring value to yourself and the people around you when making decisions. So important. Words become habits. Habits become, what do they say? They say habits become your character. Your character becomes your destiny. Work on yourself every single day of your life. Be better every day. That's it. You'll win every time.
1: This is Pittsburgh a place where a rich heritage of making things and a fierce independent nature come together to create a thriving entrepreneurial community. Whether you're a small business owner looking for ideas or inspiration, or you're an enthusiastic supporter of local businesses, you'll find it here. I'm your host, Darren Villano, and this is the Proprietors of Pittsburgh podcast. Today, my guest is Dustin Watson, owner of the RIP Group. Dustin, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it.
0: Hey, no problem. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here.
1: So to get started, can you tell us what RIP stands for and what inspired that name?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So RIP is, um, it's built over a a pretty extended history there. So uh, a long time ago, I served in the military and had some friends that passed on, you know, while we were there in combat operations and came back home, wanted to do something valuable with my life. I wanted to do something that would pay homage to them, right, to, to really live for a purpose. I knew that if I perished um, overseas somewhere fighting for this uh, this country, that I would want those people to come back home and to live well, to raise families, to do amazing things, but to never forget about me and the sacrifice that I made. And I feel the exact same is true for them. They need to always be remembered And so RIP, although it's morbid, it is a living memorial, and it stands for Remembrance, Innovation, and Progression. Uh, Remembrance, obviously, always to stay humble, right? Pay mind to those people that devoted their lives to the innovation, to the uh, development of what we have that we stand and work on today. Uh, Treat people right, live well, do good things uh, in the remembrance of those people. Uh, Innovation. Innovation because we have to innovate, right? If you don't innovate, you get stale. And it's important that we are always reevaluating our processes, procedures, techniques to make sure that they're matching with the times as things develop. Uh, so innovation is very important and also progression. Uh, the way that we discuss progression is simply encouraging the people around you to be a better version of themselves every day, to improve in some way. So we're always pushing that on our employees, on each other, we're holding each other accountable to that kind of acronym. So we use the RIP, the rest in peace, to keep us focused on staying humble and making sure we know that we didn't build this ourselves. Uh, Other people sacrificed to give us this beautiful country an opportunity. Uh, and then using the acronym Remembrance Innovation Progression to keep us you know, on track and moving forward the right
1: way. Now, the RIP group is comprised of several divisions or several different service lines, if you will. Can you tell us a little bit about each one? Because I think this will give people a better sense of the breadth of services that you offer in your company.
0: A long time ago, I had somebody very, very intelligent mind, tell me that if I ever wanted to be successful, I needed to focus on one thing that I'm really good at. And you need to take that route. You need to do everything you can in that lane, stay in that lane. And so uh, what gave RIP its start was uh, security operations. That's what I knew best, right? That's my experience. That's where I fit. I see myself as a protector, and I think people around me would see me as such. And so You know, when you you come back home, uh, when you're transitioning from from military service back to the civilian sector, specifically when you work a job like mine, there's not a lot of people hiring for that. (laughs) So um, uh, security was the avenue that I saw that I would be the most powerful. And that's where RIP started, uh, is in that security field. As we continued operations, uh, we continued to grow and build, we realized that we needed support structures to stand upon. And so, uh, security equipment and equipment rentals is a big part of that to be able to provide the equipment to the end user that needs those security uh, tools. And so that became, you know, a support structure. It's our rental division. We also, from day one, uh, from the inception of the organization, knew that what was lacking in typical security operations is training, right? Training is so valuable to security professionals and not the typical, hey, take this class, get this certificate, congratulations, you're a security professional, more in-depth training, training that focuses on psychology and ego and how you carry yourself, professionalism, the deep roots of what makes a person. And so that led to the development of what we call either ZIG or Sacrifice Instruction Group, and that is our training division. Um, that we use to not only train our personnel, but will allow civilians to come in and train alongside us and different organizations as well that are looking for specific trainings of that nature. Now, another part of the the growth that we had is a need to get places. We needed to get places and we needed to get uh, equipment and people into different locations quickly, which that led to our aviation division right so we had built some relationships and some contacts along the way that allowed us to have an aviation division that could allow us to use our professional success to help others and so we knew that aviation was a route that we needed to be in specifically not only for fixed wing movement throughout the united states and further but also for the unmanned aerial side of aviation, right? So you know that technology is constantly evolving and we knew that we would need a division that could support our UAV side. So that's where our aviation division came from. Another very important division uh, or support structure in our organization that is so critical to our success is 2-6 Advisors. So that is our professional consultant side of our organization, right? So when we're taking those large project manager roles, specifically in the health, safety, and environmental side of projects, we have a great team there that can come in and really full circle, deliver that entire package of safety and security, which is so paramount, right? Because that's... that's they almost go hand in
1: hand. Can you take us through the origin story of how you started the business? Because I understand that you started when you were still working for another company. So how did you pull that off? How did you have the time to start this business? How did you have the money to start this business? And how did you get your first client? Because I would imagine that that would be critical to getting the business off the ground.
0: Yeah, so that is is an interesting story. This exists uh, for reasons that I would, I will tell everybody, of much larger than myself. Um, the way that it came together is a blessing. Certainly, I've had many failures in my life and business professionally, but yeah, I was working. I was developing myself as a young professional. I had some, you know, engagement in business historically, and I knew that I wanted to make this move. So I started to place the the pieces and the structures together to get the company uh, at least off the ground, at least started. I did some of those things and it's funny, a couple things <laughs> happened at once. got some really good feedback from a couple of my mentors. You know, one of that is uh, a, a good banker, a good accountant, and a good lawyer. <laughs> I said, if you're going to start a business, that's, that's probably step one. So I got some pretty good feedback from, from some great mentors and then, uh, some people fell into my life at the right time. One of those is uh, Stephanie Rosser. She started the organization from the very bottom. You know, she was sorting through our papers and looking through the organization and helping us to develop it. You know, she started as just, uh, you know, a friend helping with some legal documents, looking through things saying, hey, this is great that you did this, but I think that you need to look at it a different way. It really put some wind in the sails. And now Stephanie has, uh, you know, not only has she been Um, a part of this organization from day one. She literally worked in the field alongside me when we were awarded our first contract. I mean, this is an attorney. This is a young lady that has a great educational background. And she was willing to just dive headfirst in. She knew me. She knew my drive. She knew I was dedicated and determined. And she must have seen something in me that was valuable because since the very uh, the very first opportunities that we've had, she's been all in. And so she was a huge piece to helping organize, line up, um, situate, cover down on and, and execute so that we can get where we are. So I would say that, you know, it's a blessing. The right people fell into to my lap at the right time, to R.I.P.'s lap at the right time. Who were really invested in the mission, what we were doing, why it was valuable. And then since then, it's been nonstop. People see our mission. They see what we're doing. They see what we're up to. They see how I lead. How um, you know we groom people. How we're looking to support and protect the community. You know we take people that are struggling and we help to put them back on their feet. Write them. Give them that mentorship, that counseling, that coaching that they need to really drive forward in life. So many amazing people have come in and they have really helped to just rocket ship this organization to where we are today. And it is truly a blessing. I truly do feel blessed and it is happening for reasons much larger than myself. I'm certainly not the catalyst to all of this. You asked, where did I get the money, right? (laughs) So it's the money that I earned. I saved my money. I was working in sales, jobs, business development roles. I saved my money. I worked hard to do that. Um, I even had to lean into family. You know, hey, look, you know, we need to purchase this equipment. It's going to be expensive. Do you think I could get a couple bucks? And I did. I had, you know, uh, some family. You know, my mother, who is not uh, a very super well-off individual, you know, she kind of skated over her last couple bucks and said, I hope this helps. That's about it. That's how we started with nothing.
1: Now, you have some prior military experience. You you referenced that earlier it seems that it's really influenced you, you know, your, your approach to leadership, the way you run your business. Can you first tell us what you did in the military? And then next, what were some of the biggest lessons or takeaways that you had during that experience that influenced you today, whether it's your life or the way you run your business?
0: I do have uh, a military experience. And so I certainly don't want to lead with that, right? I think that my military experience is amazing. There are certainly so many people with so much deeper resumes and professional uh, military experience. I'm just a a blip on the radar of military experience, right? I served four years in the military, nothing too large. The journey through the military was unique for me. The moment that I got to my unit out of basic training, you know, they were just coming back on rotation from deployment. And the first question asked in formation is, hey, is anybody in here want to be on the sniper team? (laughs) And so I was like, absolutely, I want to do that. That's right in my wheelhouse. And so um, I posted up front and said, yo, look, this is for me. I'm talking, this is it. Trust me. They weren't going to give me the opportunity at first because, you know, I had gotten in some trouble before the military and they said, hey, man, snipers can't be turds, you know, (laughs) you got to be doing what's right. And I said, well, listen, man, I'll devote everything I have into it if you give me the opportunity. I had a good buddy that I had made in a couple of weeks that I had been there. And he said, hey, man, I'll, I'm on the sniper team. I'm about to leave. I'll put in a good word for you. So he went and dropped a good word for me and said, hey, first sergeant, you need to let this guy come in. He's, he's a straight shooter. He's a good guy. First sergeant gave me an opportunity, ran it up to the CO. And they said, all right. And I was on track. I was put into the sniper team very, very fresh. And that's all I did. I ran with that unit the entire time I was in the military. I deployed as a sniper for the company that I was attached to made a lot of good friends, uh, had a you know small section of uh, TL time to be in charge of a couple people. But I would say that my military experience isn't what defines me. And I don't think people's military experience should define them at all. I think it should be some experience that they have in their life. But I believe that life should be a, a journey for everyone where you're continuing to learn and grow. And so I'm very thankful for that time that I had in the military. You talked about some takeaways. What are things that I took away from my time? Well, first and foremost, uh, when we talk about leadership in the military, you have the unique opportunity to observe different styles of leadership, right? You're under different leaders. You get to interact with different types of leadership. You go through basic training where the leadership is very rough and aggressive and (laughs) abusive, and you see how that feels. And then you get to units where you have mentors and coaches and professionals, and you can kind of see. Uh, the morale around the different leaders as you're kind of moving through different units, platoons, groups. On small sniper teams, we got attached to all of the different platoons, right? So I got to get to see the leadership from all the different groups of people that I was working with. And um, I would say that uh, I guess it rewinds way back to to my past, which we don't have to get into right now, but I learned to be an observer very, very early on in life. And I guess it's important to tell people, you know, what is the the main job of a sniper, right? It's to provide and report on battlefield information, right? You want to like know what's going on in the battlefield. You want to be there. You want to be the ears and the eyes, right? You hear scout snipers, right? Scout, you're out front. You're out leading the group to, to find out what's happening so people know. And then uh, I guess the second job is what everybody knows so well is, you know, uh, providing accurate and discriminatory fire on point targets, you know? Um, so yeah, man, that's a, uh, that's how I got to, get, uh, got to be around multiple types of leadership. And the big takeaways were that poor leadership results in poor morale. It uh, destroys the people around them. It doesn't generate motivation. And the quality leadership, you see that come full circle. You see those protective leaders who truly care, who want to hold you accountable and be strict with you, but not destructive. And you see those leaders that turn out some really high level, very quality soldiers. And so that's one of the biggest takeaways is the uh, the ability to observe leadership at different levels, understand how it works. And that's something that I took away.
1: Just to switch gears uh, a little bit back to uh, your business for a second, the main service line for your business or one of the main service lines is the security services. That's sort of the bread and butter, the heart and soul of what you do. We talked about that. But what many people might not know is that Security is a highly consolidated industry, and there are some big national and international companies that compete in this space. They have consolidated a lot of the industry. They, they control a huge percentage of the market share. How do you compete against these companies, and how have you positioned the RIP group in a way that's differentiated so that your business stands out in this crowded landscape?
0: I believe the answer is that with size comes dilution, right? So as these nationals take market share in gross quantity, as they um, ravage uh, the marginal environment, right? For us to operate and be um, economically successful, they're diluting the product, right? Because the larger you get, the service quality at the end to the end user has the opportunity to be questionable for many accounts. So for us, we have to have a pretty powerful sales and business development strategy to go out there and penetrate. Uh, And when I say penetrate, I kind of mean penetration testing, right? We have to go out there and find these clients that they're working for. And we have to go in and test the waters, find the contacts, gather the information. Is the product that you're getting top-notch? Is it what you're after? Is it a benefit or a value to your group or is it a liability, right? We have to go sort through that. And so our niche is a relationship niche. It truly is the ability to go in and build quality, strong relationships that these nationals can never accomplish. The big names in these big organizations don't have the ability to become personal, to say, look, I'm taking your project as a personal interest, and I'm going to treat it with love and care. I'm going to protect it. I'm going to make sure that it's done right. I'm going to make sure that what you get is valuable. And I'll be able to show you this value, although we not, we may not be able to match the price point of a national. We can certainly match or exceed that service quality and give you something certainly of value. So that's kind of one of the one of the routes we take. There are many many routes that we take, but that's one. Right
1: now, employee turnover can also be a big challenge in your industry in this in the security industry. What do you do to hire train? and retain the right people. Earlier, you referenced this a little bit when you touched on training and it being important, but can you elaborate a little bit more about what you do in your organization when it comes to people and what role does company culture have in that process?
0: Yeah, so first thing is is that we always seek out professionals. We always seek out the cream of the crop. We don't always get it, but we seek that. What differentiates a leader from a boss, one of the things that differentiates them is that a leader expects failure and you should be prepared and you should train your team how they're going to handle that failure. And that's one of the things that we do. We expect failure, but we also know that we are going to nurture. We're going to groom. We're going to train. We're going to educate. We are not going to condemn. We are not going to hold hostage. We're not going to, we won't even force our employees to do their job. We're not going to tell you that you you better do your job or else. We simply develop an organization that is fierce with accountability process and procedure. We don't have to get angry. We don't have to hold people to the fire. We give opportunity. We say, hey, look, we have a mission. Do you like our mission? Do you like what we're doing? Do you like wanting to protect our communities and to help make the world a better place? Do you want to secure and protect people? Do you want to live a life of service? Is that something that you want? Can you get on board with that mission? And if they can get on board with that mission and it's something that they want to do, that's it. Give people a mission, support them, protect them, lead them, guide them. That's what people need. People don't need you to turn your back on them every time they make a mistake.
1: So, in between your military job, your military career, and starting the RIP group, you had a number of different positions in sales. You worked for a number of different organizations in sales. And this is extremely important. You know, for a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of entrepreneurs don't know this because they don't have a sales background. And so they have a great idea, but they don't know necessarily how to sell it or how to get customers. You have that background because you did sales. So in which ways did those positions help you once you did start the RIP group? And, you know, for example, what are some of the, the, the things that you learned that, that really stuck with you in what you do today?
0: Oh my gosh, I couldn't eat so much. Being able to really get into the nuts and bolts of large corporate business, the relationships that come along with that also bring along a enormous portfolio of wisdom, wisdom in areas of life that are valuable for so many reasons. The relationships that I have, that is the catalyst to me understanding the full circle of business right you have to build relationships if it's not with your direct end customer it's with your vendors If it's not with your vendors you know it's with your your counterparts your employees the people that you work with having these large sales roles taught me the value of relationships the value of relationships full circle not just to get work right the value of actually building relationships building your name Building your character, right? Making sure that when people discuss and talk about you, you know that in their absence, they're saying the right things, right? Because you are that person. Those jobs, those opportunities, those P cards, <laughs> those purchasing cards, right? Those the ability to have uh, that level of a bank account to go in and take people out and entertain and wine, and dine and really get to know people, get to know their family, their friends, their hobbies, their interests. You know, I'll tell you, man, that's from the moment that I got these jobs, it's never been about money anymore. It's been about the excitement of getting to know so many amazing people. I have so many friends that I'm just so proud to know. I have no clue why they're my friend, but they are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they like me, right? So you know, just getting to spend time with them and take them out and meet their kids, and that is fulfilling to me. That is beautiful. And so, you know, you hear people always talk about, man, don't miss out on the journey trying to get somewhere. Don't miss the journey. And, and I don't, I don't believe that I have, man. I believe that I have really embraced these cool opportunities that have been given to me. You know, when, when I was growing up, I never in my life imagined that someone would give me a credit card with no limit and say, go take people to play golf and have drinks and cocktails and take them fly fishing and spend time with these people and build a relationship because they fuel our organization and they're important to us. They're valuable. Go get to know these people and to have a why didn't the teachers tell me back then? Why did they tell me, "Hey, you know, one of the jobs you can pick is a salesman—that you can go out and wine and dine people for a living. You can go build relationships." Yeah, sign me up for that back in elementary school. I probably wouldn't have done any of this. <laughs> so, so anyway, I just for me, it's um, uh, it's been beautiful, man. It's it's the the journey itself has somehow unwoven into this. It's been an enormous journey to date. And it's an anomaly that I'm able to do this. I'm blessed. There's no ifs, ands, or buts.
1: What changes have you had to make in your business during the pandemic? Have you had to make any changes? And how has the pandemic affected your industry?
0: Um, so positively and negatively, uh, the pandemic has caused us a lot of hardship, economic hardship, for sure. Some of our clients said, hey, we can't operate and in, in this environment, sorry, contract's over, work's done, closing up shop. Some of our other clients, um, hey, there's a lot of COVID-19 pandemic support opportunities, and we need to cover down on them. You know, we need access control, and we need temperature screening stations, and we need the monitoring of personnel and people, and we need people to make sure that they're not getting in fights and and social establishments. And we need people there that can help to deter that, Um, you know, pandemic safety officers. So we've seen an increase in business in some areas due to COVID-19. We've seen a decrease in business due to COVID-19. I would say the biggest disruption is the fact that we can't interact you know it's difficult what i just told you what i just spoke about you know selling and building business and 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 building relationships and all of the things that speak near and dear to my heart they're absent they're gone nobody wants to have a meeting with me right but now i might sneeze in their office <laughs> so at the end of the day i mean we're disconnected the ability to go out and find business specifically for a company like ours we are a small fish in the big national security company sea a lot of the contracts that these nationals have they're universal contracts they have universal pricing established with major major institution when new bid lists come out it takes a year of hard work for us to even find out who the procurement officer is to try to bid that so for us we're over here nibbling and nibbling and nibbling to try to find a contact to get onto a bid list Well, these nationals, 80, 85, 90% of the market, you know, they are able to hundreds, thousands of bids pour into them every day. And they're able to continue that bid process. Bid, 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 bid. They're able to do that. Where for us, I mean, goodness gracious, we can't meet with people. They're capturing the market. And now even in in a COVID environment, they don't need to meet anyone. So that's the biggest challenge being disconnected from people, not being able to go out and build relationships. Uh, The technology system is just pouring these professional opportunities out to the people that already have the work. They already have the relationships. They're the incumbent. How do you compete with the incumbent when you can't go and shake a hand?
1: What does the future hold for the RIP group? You know, just to put it into perspective again, you know, you started this business four plus years ago with one person, just you. And now you have a pretty large team and pretty large staff even though, as you had mentioned, you're, you're still a small player in this big C, but you're, you're a growing business. How do you see the future evolving? Do you want to add new service lines? For example, do you see yourself growing into new geographic areas? Are there things that you're not doing now that you want to do in the future that are on the horizon? What sorts of things do you want to get into as you evolve your company?
0: The future for us is, um, continuing to expand our organization doing it systematically doing it with intelligence, right? So taking on opportunities that are fruitful uh, for not only the client, but for our organization. We certainly don't wanna grow just to grow. We certainly don't wanna grow for uh, any economic reward, right? We don't wanna keep our eyes on the dollar. For our growth and strategy, we wanna keep our eyes on the heart, right? We wanna look for organizations who have mutual cultural interest. We're looking for professional relationships and partnerships with organizations who are like-minded with us. They care about our mission. They care about what they're doing and they want to help us grow, right? They, they care about what they're doing and they want to see a shift from the, the national uh, warm body style of procurement and they want to change it over to a more personalized, protective, community-focused approach. You know, I think when you and I were talking on the phone we had a small discussion about you know, how, how do we seek out our clients and how do we build those relationships? And, and one of the things is, is that we, we do, we assess our clients for like, you know, hey, are you looking to pay the bottom dollar for a security service? Is that your procurement criteria? Is that it? Are you focused on your investor, you know, pocket? And you don't, I don't like saying don't care, but the service quality is not in your discussion. Right. If you're not having discussions about service quality or protecting your people or protecting the community, and when I talk about protecting the community, I don't mean just having a security guard there to keep somebody from falling down or from getting mugged. I'm talking about protecting the community on a much deeper level. Are you procuring your business through vendors that protect their employees? Do the vendors that you're selecting provide health care benefits? Do they provide mentorship, coaching, counseling? Are they going above and beyond to make sure that they can pay the people that work for them uh, an amount that gets them to and from work and it allows them to feed their family? If you are a a client or an organization that has large revenue streams that come and go from your business, you are a steward in the community that you work. The decisions you make even protecting your bottom line. So we all know that what's just in business, it's to protect the business so that it can continue to operate, right? That's that's the right thing to do. You don't want to run yourself out of business. That would be detrimental to hundreds or thousands of people. So you need to keep yourself in business. But even at that, as stewards in the community, are you sourcing vendors that are protective to the community, even beyond your business? Because it's a trickle effect, right? Each business has a trickle down And that work, that revenue, that money is fueling many, many different families along the way. So we look directly and we have these conversations. Hey, are you looking for a a significant partnership, a relationship, a security relationship where we can consult for you? We can help you to understand how to protect your business and your organization. We can help you across the board, whatever it is employee terminations, uh, high value transportation, right? Executive transport, you know, your security operations, your security guards, your camera systems, you know, the artificial intelligence technologies that you're using, uh, thought processes of new technology that maybe you don't know exist, right? Are, are you, do you want an actual security relationship, right? Where we're focused on safety? protecting your people, making sure it's done by regulation. We land them. We find people that want to do that. We find people that say, no, actually, we do care. And we've never had anyone come in with that pitch before. It's always, hey, we put our guards in this uniform and they'll be here at this time. And this is the cost. Please use us. We work for a thousand different companies. But when we come in, after we leave those meetings, after we leave those lunch and learns, Whether we win or lose the work, you know, we have people coming up and thanking us and saying, man, you know, whatever, we can't use you guys just because whatever reason, you know, we've got a universal contract with this other company. Sorry, we can't use you. But man, what you're doing is amazing. Can we come out to your training facility and train with you? Can you come in and give our our team a de-escalation training so they know how to, to, to dissolve situations that happen, whether it's a point or extended duration conflict? Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll come out and we'll train your team. We'll come train with you. We'll help out. We'll bring our people anytime. Cause what we're doing is following our mission. It's doing good in the world.
1: So Dustin, as we wrap up here, what advice would you have for other entrepreneurs who are listening to this right now? People that just like you want to start a business, maybe they're, they came from a you know, disadvantaged background. They came from uh, an environment of not having great moral, role models or great examples or maybe they have to work for a living and they need to start a business on the side, kind of like you did to get it going. What thoughts would you share with them? What things did you learn that you think would help somebody on their journey?
0: I would say that your life is a journey. And every day that you wake up, you are blessed with a unique ability to learn, to grow, to observe, to plan, to problem solve and to drive forward with determination. I think that it's imperative as an entrepreneur that you live your life in a way that when problems present themselves, you take them on only as obstacles, only as mere challenges. You understand that obstacles are designed to be difficult. They're designed to test you. And anytime that you encounter any problem in your life, no matter what it is, interpersonal conflict, health, business, economics, whatever the situation is, is that you have the intestinal fortitude, you have the strength inside to step back, make a tactical pause, (sighs) take a deep breath, oxygenate your mind, and say, wow, this obstacle is gonna kick my ass. But you know what? If I fail 50 times, I'm going to figure out how to navigate this obstacle. And you have the resolve, right? knowing that you're never going to give up on yourself. You have the resolve, the courage, the passion to stay the course, right? Everybody has setbacks. Everybody slips and falls. No one's perfect. Make sure that when you're navigating your decision-making matrix, the decisions that you are making are going to be valuable. I could go on forever about what that means, But it means that each decision you make in life, whether it's a thought in your mind that becomes words, right, that you think in a way that your words are productive, they're valuable to not only you, but to the people around you. Always try to bring value to yourself and the people around you when making decisions. so important. Words become habits. Habits become... What do they say? They say habits become your character. Your character becomes your destiny. Work on yourself every single day of your life. Be better every day. That's it. You'll
1: win every time. Dustin, thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate it as well. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate you reaching out to me. Thank you for even entertaining. RIP is a guest on your show. Very, very proud to be here. Very thankful
1: Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please do me and the Pittsburgh small business community a huge favor by giving it a rating on your favorite podcast app. It really helps others to find the show so that we can continue to build our community. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do. And if you know someone who should be on the podcast or you'd like to connect with me, you can reach me at proprietorsofpittsburgh.com or at 412-336-8247. I'm Darren Volano, and this is the Proprietors of Pittsburgh podcast. Take care.